Good morning, New Life Manitou. How are you doing? Awesome. My name is Taylor. If you're able, would you please stand for the scripture reading? Today's reading is going to be from Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Would you remain standing as we pray? Lord, we thank you for your ways. We thank you for your commands. Lord, we pray that we would be integrated by you and live a whole life that is holy and pleasing to you and to your ways. Lord, we pray this in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people. Shouted. Amen. You may be seated. I was gone the last couple weeks in Minnesota. Some of you saw me and you're like, who's this guy? I haven't seen you in forever. I missed two weeks. And so I, we, I got to go on a vacation. I got to have a sort of Sabbath or Sabbath rest. And now I get to come back in the pulpit and guess what we're talking about? Sabbath and Sabbath rest. So this is a part of our whole life integrated spirituality sermon series. And so we get to talk about today Sabbath, talking about taking a day of rest each week. And I have this image. It may be prophetic. It may just be like what I hope that the Lord does this morning in us and in our hearts. It's kind of a picture. And it's a picture of like the, the rules, like like the Lord himself is giving us some rules about taking a day off. And, and we can be consumed by those rules, but I pray we fall in love with him and his way. So it's something like this. So imagine yourself driving. You're on like a long uh, trip, you're on a, a road trip or something, and you're trying to avoid, it's like on a road trip, you're trying to get there as fast as you can, and you're also trying to avoid getting tickets. Am I right? Anybody? No? Okay, so, so you set your crew, if the speed limit is at 60, you set your cruise control to... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no one said 60. You're supposed to set it to 60, but every, you know, you kind of turn it up a little bit. There's even apps that, that, that show you where a policeman could be. And it's like you're, you're flirting, you're breaking the law, but you're flirting with like, well, I'm only going four over. I'm only going eight over. I'm not going 10 over. People get tickets for 10 over. I'm going eight. I'm going 68 and a 60. No big deal. You're kind of flirting with this thing. You are breaking the law, but you're like, yeah, it's, it's okay. And, and you're going along. It's 60. You're doing your 68 and you're just flying along and there's like a fence and um, you can't see across the fence. And all of a sudden the, the speed limit changes to 40 and you're like, to 40. You're doing 68. You're flying. You're looking around. The, there's not like you're entering into a town. You're not entering into seemingly a residential area. Nothing has changed. You could see forever. The, the sun's out. There's no weather. And so you're like, I'm just going to keep going 68. I mean, what's the big 40, 68? You know, what's the big difference? And you're flying through with your feet off the brake, feet off the gas. You're just cruising along, leaning back, thinking, you know what? It must be a mistake, right? 40 miles per hour. It's 
you're going 68, and then the fence ends, and you see that on the other side of the fence was this huge like school playground area, and now you see kids everywhere, like kids riding bikes, kids on scooters, kids kicking balls next to the road, and what do you do? You slow way down, you slow down below 40. Why? Because you don't want to hit a kid, because you love kids. The thought of hurting a child, the thought of hitting a child going almost 70 is, is no way. You don't even want to think about that. And so you slow way down. Why? Ultimately, because you don't want to hit a kid, because you love kids and you love humans and you don't want to do damage. And I pray that this would be true of today's sermon, that, that this rule, this command to honor a Sabbath day in your week, to honor one day a week, to take a day off, that you would fall in love with the Lord and his ways and it wouldn't be about um, the rules and bending of the rules and, and you know, trying to figure out ways to around and to bend. And so today we're going to talk about Sabbath. We're going to talk about in this integrated spirituality, we're going to talk about taking a day off, a Sabbath. And I wonder sometimes what... Um, if you're new to church, maybe some of you are like brand new to church, like this morning, it's been a long time since you've been to church. People have perceptions uh, of what church will be like, and I know this because they tell me, and sometimes people come in thinking, uh, I guess the pastor is just going to sit down and tell everybody God hates them, and then tell everybody to you know, start doing better. People have these perceptions, which I've, I don't think I've ever told anyone, and, and may it never be that I, I say the Lord hates somebody, but people have perceptions of like what they're going to talk about in church, and today we're going to talk about taking a day off. This is the best church ever. A whole sermon about just taking a day off. Isn't this great? It should be. This should be uplifting. This should be good news. A Sabbath to the Lord is something that goes back to the times of Moses. And the Lord tells Moses to tell the people, take a day of rest. In the Jewish sense, it was, do you know this? It was Friday night to Saturday night, like Friday evening to Saturday evening was their Sabbath. They would take that off, 24-hour period. In our day, in our time, I think the early church very quickly took it from Saturday to Sunday morning. Christ rose from the grave early on Sunday, so Christians would gather early on Sunday mornings and worship him. And so the day of rest for most Christians in the Western Christian world is Sunday. That's why uh, the, the mail doesn't happen on Sundays and packages, although I th I'm seeing packages being delivered on Sundays. Is this crazy? Have you seen this too? Uh, Chick-fil-A closed on Sunday. Why? Well, because the early church celebrated a day of rest, a day of holiness on Sundays. And so for many of you, Sundays is this day of rest. We're talking about Sundays. For people like me, like I work on Sundays. I'm up here working, telling you not to work. But I, it's, <laughs> I usually take my Sabbath on Saturdays or sometimes even like Sunday afternoon to Monday afternoon, or I'll take Fridays. I just, I have this rhythm in my life where I take a day off. Um, but that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about taking a day off. This sermon has three points like every good sermon should, unless I, I, I do some, something else. But every, this sermon has three points. Uh, first, to talk about how the Sabbath is commanded by the Lord. The second is to talk about what Jesus said about the Sabbath. And then the third will be just an encouraging message, like this Sabbath is for you. This is for you. So one, two, three, let's jump into the first point. Let's go. Taking a Sabbath rest day is commanded by God. This is commanded. This isn't just a recommendation. 
Uh, Sabbath rest is commanded by God. There's, there's 10 commandments and our 10 commandments uh, in the Bible. The first four have to do with us and God. The, the last six have to do with us and each other. And it kind of goes uh, in order of like uh, keeping the, the Lord is the only Lord. Uh, d- don't have any images. Don't misuse the name of the Lord. Then keep the Sabbath day holy. And then it has these other six. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Honor your parents. Don't covet. Things that like in my mind, like these things are really like, these are what keep civilization together. Like don't murder, don't lie, don't steal stuff. And in this list, if I could be so bold uh, to say this as just as my like personal, like looking at these 10, maybe you've thought this as well, but the Sabbath one is like, like really? Like don't murder. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Okay. Don't lie. Don't steal. Got that. And then take a day off. Like this is the top 10. Like, like this is, and it seems like to me and forgive me for saying this, but it's just my personal kind of thoughts on on the thing is that this one seems like, like really like up there with, uh, you know, there is no other God take a day off. Like this is the fourth commandment. In my mind, it's always been like one of those ones that I think myself and our whole society is like, really? Like, do we really need to do this? I think we live today in 2019, uh, Western uh, United States formed somewhat by Christian and depending on how you think about that um, and how Christian our nation is, I wish it was more Christian. Amen. Amen. Um, that, that we have been influenced by the God, little g God of productivity. We are so productive. We have uh, phones. We're always connected. We have calendars and calendars, sub-calendars for our calendars. We have to-do lists. We have things to do. And the thought of taking a day off as a command from the Lord seems to many of us Christians and especially our world that we live in, it seems silly. This, I imagine, is the most forgotten command, maybe the hardest to follow, maybe the, the one we bend the rules on the most. And I think that a little bit of a why could help us here. Like, why is there Sabbath? I mentioned to you uh, out of weakness that uh, why, why is the Sabbath in this list of top 10 along with murder and not stealing? Why is taking a day off in this list? Well, the Lord tells us why. Out of all 10 commandments, this fourth one is the one where God says, and here's why. The why usually does help. I have four little boys. I'm like, knock it off. And they say, Why? And I say, because I said so. That's why. And certainly the Lord can do that. The Lord can give us a command and we could say, why? And he could certainly, because he's the Lord, say, because I said so. But in this command, he actually gives us the why, which is usually very helpful. If there's a good why, it's much easier to follow the rule. It's much easier to understand what's going on. I went swimming not too long ago with my boys, and as soon as we got there, it was like the kid area pool thing. Uh, they had the, the every hour, they take a break. And so we get there right as we're getting in, and they, they blow the whistles and say, everybody out. And they're like, what? We just got here. Why, dad? Why? 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 And I told them why. And they kind of got it. They're like, oh, okay, that, that makes sense. I said, well, the lifeguards need a break. The kids need a break. You know, kids can, can outdo themselves and, and become exhausted and then go to the deep end. And then somebody, somebody could get hurt. You can drown. This is serious business. Yeah, kids need a break. You need to get out of the water every once in a while and go to the bathroom so kids don't pee in the pool. You don't want pee in the pool, do you, kids? They're like, no, no, you don't. So they understood. Like, the why... 
kind of helps. And so the Lord gives us the why here when he tells us to keep a Sabbath day. Do you know what it is? We just read it. He says, because you were slaves in Egypt. The why here is like, take a day off. Give everybody a day off because you were slaves in Egypt and now you're not. The Lord has set you free. So don't return to this slavery is the idea. A slave has uh, works not for himself, but for a slave master. If you look up uh, ancient slavery, it's horrible. There was, there was slave, farmer slaves, mining slaves, building slaves. People were worked nearly to death. A slave master didn't want any of his slaves to die because they were a property and a possession. And it's just a horrible world that that was. Uh, and I, I imagine there's still slavery going on today and trafficking. It's still going on. I heard a stat that there's more slaves now than there ever has been, which is very sad to me and to my soul. But considering this ancient world, the Israelite slaves in Egypt, they would work seven days a week, very long hours, get no profit for it, see nothing for it, except for their masters getting more profit. They would be worked nearly to death. And then the Lord sets them free and says, you're no longer slaves. So therefore, why don't you take a day of rest each week? And so we can look at our own lives and say, you know, if we're not taking a true day off, if we're not keeping a day holy and keeping a rest day, if we are too overworked, if we're too overproductive, if we can't get disconnected, if we're always uh, checking something and emailing and working and kind of working on the side and bending the rules of Sabbath, then maybe we are slaves. Like maybe we're slaves and we are slaves to the, maybe the little g God, the idol of productivity. The Lord's days, they're all the Lord's days, right? Our life before the Lord, it's all his. Uh, I think about uh, right before we left for Minnesota a couple weeks ago, uh, our neighbors got a piece of mail. Uh, we have great neighbors. Open up the mail. In the mail, it was like junk mail kind of stuff, but it was still a little thing of stickers. Theo was playing outside. So she came over and just said, Theo, you want some stickers? And Theo's like, yeah, he's two years old. Gets a sticker, sticker, and walks in. And Max is standing at the door. Max is four. He's the older brother. Uh, and he just takes the stickers and then says, Theo, which sticker would you like? And I'm watching this whole thing. Like, they're all Theo's. Like, you don't get to do that. And I think about this like with our lives and our days that the Lord has ordained for us. Whose are they? They're his. They're all the Lord's days. And yet he gives them to us six days for work and then says, every week, why don't you do this? Why don't you? I'm commanding it. Take a day off. Take rest. I remember this as a part of my testimony, as a part of uh, me as a pastor. This was a very big deal in my wife and I's first year of marriage. Like I, I, we had like this saying uh, around uh, new life. I think new life's in a different place now, a much healthier place now. Uh, but new life was in a place where we would just work ourselves as pastors and, and just the productivity and the, the, the things we would do, like rest was not a valued thing at New Life 10, 12, 15 years ago when I was on staff then. And we would have this phrase, sleep when you're dead. 
Like that's like literally the opposite of taking Sabbath, but it was just like, we got things to do. Our church is growing. And then in 07, when Erica and I got married, uh, there was some transition. It's uh, a very unfortunate transition in our church. And then it was just like, okay, we got to hold, like us pastors, those on staff, we got to hold this church together. The economy kind of dumped and slumped and a lot of uh, New Life staff, we had to uh, terminate. We had a downsize. And so the people that were left, we now had double work and it was just like, it was go time. We got to hold this church together. We have kingdom work to go to do. And in my mind was just like, I can't take a day off. My my day off was supposed to be Saturday, uh, but it was actually my busiest day where I kind of procrastinated planning my sermon. And then on Saturdays, I would work all day planning and working on my sermon for the next day for the mill, the college ministry, Sunday school. And it was just looking back, it's like, that was a nightmare. That was not honoring to the Lord. That was not honoring to the Sabbath. And then Brady Boy, the pastor of New Life North, he came in as our head boss and he saw what was going on and said, there's, we need a culture of rest here. What is going on? And it was like, we got, we got work to do. It's like, well, yeah, but the Lord has commanded a rest and the kind of pace and what's going on here is not healthy. It's not holy. You need a day of rest, everyone. And so he gave us rules and said, you need to take certain days off. You can't be out uh, outside of the home more than this many days uh, a week and so on and so forth. We're going to have a culture of Sabbath rest. He gave everybody on staff this, uh, this book called the Rest of God and we are all supposed to read it and talk about it. And it was life-changing to me as a pastor to, to, to rest. Like this was, and at the same time, I was uh, learning how to fly fish. And that was a part of like my um, just testimony and like, I need a day of rest to do nothing. Talking about like the waste of time that fly fishing is. If you've never been fly fishing, you have a tiny little fly, you try to catch fish, you catch the fish. Maybe you catch like a good day for me at least would be like two, three fish. Like, wow, I caught three fish today. That's awesome. Then what did you do? Did you eat them? It's like, no, I let them back in. And you're like, what? What a waste of a day. Yes, that's the point. A day off, a day to do nothing, a day to rest. I heard this... um, I was listening to teachings by uh, modern-day Jewish rabbis on the subject of Sabbath, Shabbat, Shabbat, is that what they say? Uh, and the, the, this Jewish rabbi gave this analogy. He said, imagine a factory and a guy working in a factory, and he kind of works his way up from a young man, and now he's uh, much older, works his way up in this factory. He works every day in this factory as a, now a manager, and he's uh, coming close to retirement, and he, he decides, I'm going to sell this factory. I'm going to sell the company, sell the factory. I'm going to retire. So he takes out an, an, an article in the paper. That's what people did back then. And he, he puts this factory, puts this, um, uh, his whole company up on the, uh, on the newspapers that it's for sale. And then he gets a call from the real owner of the company, of the factory. It's like, hey, I see that my company's for sale. Who are you? What in the world are you doing selling my company and my factory? He's like, well, blah, blah, blah. Let me this. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who are you? First of all, he's like, well, I'm the manager of, of this particular thing and this shift. And I show up every day. And, I do. and then the, the guy that owns the factory is like, well, hold the phone just a minute. I have a new rule for you. Now, to help you understand that you're not the real owner, that I'm the real owner, you can't come to work 
one day a week. I hear, the, I hear you. I hear you. They come in seven days. But now, you are now banned from coming one day a week to this factory. That is a new rule because you need to understand that you are not the owner of this factory. I am. I think about that for us and for our lives. If we realize and put our hope into God that he gives us rest, that this world, that our days are his and not ours. So that's point number one. That was all point number one. Here's point number two, which is about Jesus. Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath law. I think sometimes people think that um, Jesus put an end to the Sabbath law. He abolished the law, but he says something just the opposite. Matthew 5, he says this in verse 17. This is Jesus talking. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law. And the law would be uh, the, the Ten Commandments and the whole, uh, the, the Torah, all the laws, the rules, the restrictions in the Old Testament, of which uh, 10 of them are the most important. The fourth is the Sabbath law. So don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, that the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, everyone who sets aside one of the least of these commandments and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. By whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses the righteousness, surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven." So what about the Sabbath? Is the Sabbath, Sabbath a part of the law? Well, certainly is. So does Jesus abolish that when he comes? No, he, he in, in some way fulfills it. He ultimately fulfills the law. And so what about the Sabbath? There's, there's quite a bit of talk in the Gospels about the Sabbath and Jesus and Jesus seemingly to uh, disobey these Sabbath rules. Uh, I would argue, I think Jesus argues as well, that he doesn't disobey the Sabbath. He disobeys these rules that had been added on to the rule of Sabbath. For instance, he heals a guy on the Sabbath, a guy born blind, heals him on the Sabbath. Can you imagine this? Like, like a scene where a man born blind can't see, Jesus comes up, heals him, and now he can see. Can you imagine seeing this before your very eyes? Some of you may have seen miracles like this or heard of miracles happening like this. And imagine this scene, like, wow. People come up to him and are like, wow. Other people, the Pharisees, come up to him and they don't say, wow. They say, you did this on the Sabbath. Shame on you. You disobeyed God's law. What a horrible response to someone receiving sight after being blind their whole life, right? It's, I mean, it's like mind-boggling. Like you're seeing this miracle and you come up and you're like, you did this on the Sabbath. You broke the Sabbath law. Where is it in the Old Testament that says you can't pray for someone on the Sabbath day? Is that anywhere? No. And so the, this rule had been added on by the Pharisees, the teachers of the law at Jesus' time, and Jesus broke that rule, not the, the rule of Sabbath. And people throw a fit that he seemingly broke the Sabbath rule. Another time, it seems like he's working. And, and so we'll read it. Mark 2 says this. Mark 2, 23 is this, this story of Jesus uh, walking through a grain field and grabbing a head of grain. Does that seem like work to you? No, it seems like grabbing like a handful of pistachios and eating them. Like, this isn't work. But the people at that time had said, this is work. But it's not. One day, Jesus was going through the grain fields. As his disciples walked along, they began to pick up some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, 
Why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? So he's just walking along. He grabs a head of wheat. Like you, maybe some of you have done this before. You grab a head of wheat. You kind of rub it in your hands. You blow off like the, the fuzzy stuff and the hard stuff. And you could eat a handful of wheat. Anybody ever done this? A couple people, a couple far. I, I see your hands. You could do that. It's easy. It tastes kind of grainy and starchy and like a seed, kind of nutty. And it's, it's like reaching into a bowl of M&Ms. Like, it's not, is that work? No, but the people were like, Lord, help us. Like, we could, all the Pharisees are all idiots. Well, isn't there something in all of us that's like looking out to see other people's sin and to point it out? And so here's Jesus and his disciples grabbing some wheat, blowing it off, and then eating it. And they're like, here, this is it. He's breaking the Sabbath. Jesus answers this in verse 25. He answers, have you never read what David did? When he and his companions were hungry and in need, in the day of Abathar the high priest, he entered the house of God, ate and co- ate the consecrated bread, which is unlawful for only the priest to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So who's the Sabbath for? It's for us. It's for us. It's not for, for, for us to like make these little rules and torture ourselves thinking we're doing something for someone else. Like this is actually for us. A day of rest is for us. Jesus isn't really in this whole situation. Jesus isn't doing work. He's not like bundling a whole uh, field of wheat and like trying to get a jump on the week. Like, no, he's just walking by, grabbing some wheat and eating it. And people jump on him saying, you've broken some other law. Lord, I pray that that will not be when we keep the law. Consider this. um, Paul kind of plays on this in Colossians 2, verse 16. He says, don't let anyone judge you about what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festivals, a new moon celebration. These are all things that the the Jewish people are supposed to do and to keep in certain ways and certain orders or on a, of a Sabbath day. Like, don't let anyone judge you on what you do on a Sabbath day. If you're keeping the Sabbath holy and you're not doing work, well, then that's keeping the Sabbath. If someone comes up to you and is like, well, actually, you you know, you, you did this and so that could be considered work in some circumstances like no this is don't let anyone judge you keep the sabbath keep it holy and do no work once a week every week for the rest of your life and this is for you which brings me to this last and final point this morning that sabbath rest is for us to enjoy as part of an integrated part of a whole life so this series of about the whole life, integrated spirituality, taking a Sabbath day once a week, this is for us. Like, I don't think a think tank of professionals, when it comes to mental health professionals and, and just healthiness professionals, they all get together at this summit to try to figure out, like, how can we make America more healthy? I don't think they could come up with a better idea than this. Like, take a day off, a day of holiness, a day of rest, do this, And your life is actually going to be a lot better because the Sabbath is for you. So what does this look like? What are some practicals here? What are the brass tacks of what this looks like? 
Well, for, for a lot of people, it's Sunday. Sunday's the day of rest. Uh, you keep it holy, you rest, and maybe you do something you enjoy. I think the Sabbath and, and thinking through this the last couple weeks as I've been on vacation, trying not to work, but doing like thoughts of like, okay, this is, uh, this is what the Sabbath means. I thought of three ideas. First and foremost is, of course, rest. Like the Sabbath is about rest, doing no work. The Sabbath is something called avocation, meaning doing something you enjoy. Like if, if you're uh, into fishing, going fishing, getting out outdoors, going on a hike, that would be great. But if you're like a, a guide or if you're like a fisherman for a living, well, then it's probably not a good idea to go fishing on your day off, right? That would be a little weird. And so, so rest, avocation, like doing something you would do enjoy. And the third one, maybe the most important, is to keep the Sabbath day holy, like there's a holy contemplation that comes, a holiness. It's not just rest. It's not just sitting on the couch and eating Doritos for 24 hours that you wouldn't feel good after that. It's, it's getting out and doing something you enjoy. And it's a holy contemplation, like making the Sabbath day holy. I talk to people all the time. They're like... Um, Christians that, that just don't like church, don't go to church, and, and they, 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 sometimes their argument uh, flows into like, well, it's a day of rest, and going to church is kind of hard. You got to, you know, get up and, and go to church. And if you have kids, like, I, I feel you. It is hard. It's not easy going anywhere. Um, and so <laughs> coming to church is work, and yet it's a part of holiness. It's a, power, a part of gathering together and worship and making the Sabbath day holy. It's not just rest. It's not just going out and doing something you enjoy. It's holiness and treating the day holy and with worship. Here's a great statement. Are you ready for a great statement? It's just something I heard uh, someone teach on Sabbath. And it's just like uplifted me. Like when I heard this, it's like, yeah, that's great. That's good. That's like good news. Like Sabbath is something we get to do 52 times a year. We get to rest. We get to do, spend a day doing something we enjoy. And we get to spend a day worshiping the Lord. This is something we get to do 52 times a year. And it's something the Lord commands us to do. It's something that we're supposed to do. If we were given a manual for how to live our life, like this would be on it. And, and we are. It's called the Bible, by the way. Um, imagine someone saves up and buys a new car. Like you save up. You don't even need a loan. You've worked for years. You save up your money. You go into the car dealership and right off the lot, you pay them all that it's worth. You pay the money. You drive it off. The mileage says zero, 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 zero. And you watch it turn to one. Like this is your car. You fully own it. It's a brand new car. The glove box is a, is a little owner's manual. It tells you what kind of gas to put in there. It tells you what kind of oil to put into the car. It tells you, um, I don't know, like the maintenance routine. It tells you all these things. And you're like, well, this is my car. I could do whatever I want. I could put whatever I want in that gas tank. Can you? Yeah, I mean, technically it's your car. And so you're like, I'm going to put in garbage. Like, I'm going to literally put garbage in my gas tank. And you're like, why would you do that? Like, well, I saw this movie, and at the end, they put garbage in the tank. And then the car starts flying, and then they go back to the future. You're like, what? What is wrong with you? That's a movie. That's fiction. It's like, but it's my car, and I want to put literal garbage in my gas tank. And it's like, yeah, you, I guess you can, but the owner's manual says, you know, to put this octane in. And if you want your car to drive any further than that one mile you just got, 
you better do that and not the garbage you're thinking of, right? Like there's an owner's manual for a car, and I think the owner's manual for life, for our life that we live, our weekly flow of being is to take a day, to rest, to do something we enjoy, and to treat that day as holy, like a different day than the rest. There's a movie um, that came out, and this might be, it's come, up, come up and correct me if I'm wrong, but this may be one of the only movies about Christian Sabbath. I mean, there, there might be another movie, and if you know it, don't scream it out now, that would be distracting, but come up, because I was thinking, like, is there any other movie that's about, like, a Christian uh, taking Sabbath? Um, and the movie came out in the 1980s. It's about a real person, so it's, like, based on a very true story. It's about a guy named Eric Little, and he is a, is a, a runner, a sprinter, and he wins uh, a gold medal and the first uh, scene of this movie is a bunch of guys running on the beach and there's a sound, uh, the song the song, the soundtrack is just awesome dun 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 <laughs> our band is just a, do you know what the movie is? Cherry Safari. It's, it's next year. It'll be 40 years old. So it's a classic. Maybe some of you have not seen it. It's one of those movies that it's really Christian, really uplifting. It's about this Christian guy who will become a, a Christian missionary in China. I'm not sure what denomination he is, but he has this uh, attitude about Sabbath that he will not race and he will not train on Sundays. That's the, this commitment he has made to the Lord. And, and a lot of the movie is him and his sister in these conversations about why he's doing that. And it is this beautiful thing where he runs because he feels the Lord's pleasure when he runs. And the Lord has made him fast. It's a very famous scene in the movie. And towards the end of the movie, uh, he goes to the Olympics that year, the 1920s in Paris. And spoiler alert, I feel like I ruined a lot of movies for you from the pulpit. But this is just another movie. Just, you know, put it on the list of movies Joe has ruined. But at the end of the movie, uh, he goes to the Olympics. He gets there. Like, he trains for years at the 100-meter dash. He's built up this, this whole life. Uh, we have the Olympics, uh, the Olympic uh, train people here in Colorado Springs. And people will tell you, like, it's their lifelong dream just to get to the Olympics. Eric Little gets to the Olympics and finds out that his race, the 100-meter dash, is on, it's on Sunday. And so for him, it's just an easy, it's, a, it's, a, it's like not even a question. He's like, well, can't run that race. I guess I've come here for nothing. And it's like, people are like, what? Are you kidding me? You're letting your country, Scotland, down. You're letting everybody down. You're letting yourself down. Why would you do this? And there's this scene between Eric Little and this other guy that is also a runner. And this other guy, like his whole life is running. One of the lines is, I have 10 seconds to prove my existence. This other runner runs because he's proving himself and he's running because he's a runner and he has to run to fulfill his destiny. And Eric Little, this Christian, is like, my destiny is already fulfilled. I know who I am. I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm a believer. I don't need to run to prove anything to anyone. So I don't need to run on, on this holy day that I've, I've dedicated to the Lord. Well, the story goes on. Here's where the spoiler alert happens. Uh, he uh, doesn't get to run on Sunday. He doesn't want to run on Sunday. That's when his race is. So he runs a different length. He runs the 400 instead of the 100, which is a very, if you're competing at the Olympic level, the 100 is a very different race. It's a whole different ballgame than the 400. He runs the 400, and guess what? 
He wins the gold. And it's this, this movie, it's like, wow, this guy knew who he was in Christ. And he took like a rest. He rested in the Lord's presence and rested in the Lord's identity and was able to, uh, to run another race and to win. And I think about that for our own lives, that we need to trust in the Lord Ultimately, this kind of leaves me with like the most important thing I'm saying this morning is ultimately recognizing the Lord's work. Like we have, every week we have a cross at the front. Dan Glass made this one in his garage. He put lights in it because Jesus is the light of the world. The good news shines forth. And we have this because this reflects the Lord's work, the Lord's completed work in our lives. And part of rest is resting in that the Lord has done the work for us. That, that the Lord took six days and created, and on the seventh day, he, he rested. And it's like, well, I thought the Lord was omnipotent, all-powerful. Did he need to rest? Was he tired? No. He rested in a sense that he looked at his creation, and he calls it, Good. Like, this is good. I am now going to stop creating because this is now done. It is good. And I think we need to think about our own lives like that, trusting in the Lord, trusting in his work and saying, Lord, what you have done on the cross and in our lives, this is good. Would you stand up with me? I'm going to read a passage, a very short passage of what Jesus says about rest. The band, you guys can come forward. And then Brett will lead us to the table where we will receive from him, receive from the Lord. I'm going to read this as a prayer. So if you'd bow your heads, Jesus says this to all of us. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. Amen.